coming up on this edition of Out of the Blue from Middle Tennessee State University. We explore our Disability and Access Center. We meet a biology professor studying the role that religion plays in understanding evolution. And we meet a professor who's become a viral sensation on TikTok. I'm Andrew Ottman, and this is Out of the Blue. MTSU's Disability and Access Center creates a level playing field in academics and campus life for almost 1,000 of our students. Here to tell us about this tremendous resource is the center's director, Kevin States. Well, Kevin, thanks for joining us on the show. We appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having me. Let's have a conversation first with the very beginning. Okay. How, tell us about the center. Describe it for someone that hasn't heard of it before and the services you offer. Yeah, so we are the Disability and Access Center. Um, we are located in the Keeley University Center 107, right across from the post office. And so what we do is we provide accommodations for students that self-identify and then just make a request and we set up the accommodations as long as we have the appropriate documentation. The rules of the accommodations are not to alter the design of the course. They're supposed to be a level playing field mm -hmm. and provide equal access um, not an advantage or disadvantage. And let's break that down a little bit deeper because uh, I, I teach a course and I've worked with the center to help some of my students. Sometimes that first outreach is from you to the professor saying, uh, identifying a student that has a special need. And what are some examples of the things that you would advise a professor to, to keep an eye on or to help? In order for a professor to know for sure, unless a student self-identifies to the professor, is to get an accommodation letter from our office. Mm -hmm. And so how we set that up is, is we meet with the student, determine the accommodations, and we have a self-portal database um, that the student can make the request. And then once we approve, the letter goes to the professor. The professor will receive a letter from the, um, our office, essentially, once the student makes that. And the professor should then communicate with the student about arrangements. Um, if there's any questions or concerns, professors should reach out to our office to discuss some accommodations because mm -hmm. we usually make accommodations based on general perspective and not usually one class. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it may say, hey, this accommodation, I don't know how it fits with this course. And those are things that we are glad to answer. Terrific. You use the phrase uh, a level playing field. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Sure. So like um, level playing field is just not to provide an advantage for a student. The student has to show the same amount of work just like any other student. It just may be um, something such as more time on test. It could be something like uh, that may require some creativity. Mm -hmm. um, but an example may be where not level and playing field would be somebody like, oh, well, they don't put in the same amount of work or the same amount of effort or um, if they didn't do well on a test, they may get to redo the test. Those are um, things that usually would be considered not uh, being at the equal level playing field. Mm -hmm. the, the center on your, on your website describes itself also as a cultural hub. Mm -hmm. Walk us through that. What do you mean by uh, that role that you provide? Yeah, so the culture hub to us means that disability is just like any other diversity initiative to us. And so we try to provide the information. Um, we want other places to take um, disability as um, an initiative to equal playing field or equal access, maybe. And we try to provide information. So let's say there's an event going on and there's a student that needs an individual request. 
we can communicate to that event if it has to do with specifically with students um, and we can definitely try to give advice on how to make that equal access instead of you know us just strictly uh, running it ourselves. Mm -hmm. The Adaptive Technology Center mm -hmm. flows through you guys. What is that and how does that help? The Adaptive Technology Center is located in the library, mm -hmm. 174. They're part of our office and so what they do is they provide access for students um, in the technology field. So let's just say a student needs something in Braille. We can set that up. Let's say a student needed, you know, like screen reading software that can read out loud, whether somebody with the processing, mm -hmm. um, whether it's um, Braille or, or whatever the scenario is, or read out loud for, um, you know, visually impaired or those kind of things. And we do a lot more than just reading software and those kind of things. But that's just a part of what they do, and they are located in the Library 174. Mm -hmm. How do students typically find out about you? And I imagine um, that that's one of your number one priorities, is making sure people know that you're there to help. Yeah, so it, it is a good question because students do have to self-identify with our office to get registered. Mm -hmm. And we still run into that, uh, but we try to communicate whether it's on a syllabus for each instructor and try to make them aware about our office. We do a lot of outreach, we go to customs. Uh, we are always trying to communicate with professors. We try to get communicate to students, um, but it's still a learning curve. We still get students register at the end of every semester. I didn't realize you guys existed or those kind of things. Uh, but just in collaboration with many departments is our best way of getting out there. Mm -hmm. Well, Kevin, can you describe some of the disabilities that the center helps address? That's a great question. So our population, most people associate our office with mobility or physical or vision or, or hearing, and those are all still uh, populations we serve. But our largest populations now are mental health, learning disability, ADD, autism, uh, chronic illnesses type stuff. So we serve all types of disabilities. And so as long as it qualifies, we'll meet with the student and discuss if there's accommodation that we can help with those. I would imagine one of the challenges that you have to overcome with those students sometimes is the associated and perhaps ill-placed stigma yeah. of approaching you. Walk, you. walk us through the strategies you try to help folks overcome that. Well, the first thing we do is communication through our front desk. If there's a student that does reach out, we do get that still. You know, we understand why it's a stigma. A lot of students sometimes are like, well, if I register with the Disability and Access Center, one, I will only be associated as a disabled student, or two, um, I'll get categorized and there's more to it, or maybe I'll be looked at differently. And so what we do is when we meet with students and when we communicate with students, is we're just saying kind of like, hey, this is just a level playing field. You still gotta do the work mm -hmm. just like anybody else. This is not providing you an advantage. And so, most of the time when we meet with students, and we also explain that the students still can kind of have control over what they want to release to instructors or to folks, then they understand that, hey, okay, I still have control and I didn't realize that this is what it is. And honestly, we've seen a huge increase of students getting registered um, with our office. So like, I think more students are feeling more comfortable getting registered. I would say in the last five years, there's probably been about a 30 to 35% increase of students getting registered. What's your population now? Who do you serve? Uh, we are near 1,000 students. So about five years ago, it was usually around six to 650. Okay. 
So where do I go to find out about what you, what you offer and how do I reach you to find out how you can help me? Yeah, so the easiest way um, is if you go into our website, it's just mtsu.edu slash DAC. And on the very front page is uh, how to register. The very first one, front and center of the page. And you just click on that link. There's an online application that takes 10 minutes, give or take a few minutes to fill out. It's completely accessible. And then we just need the appropriate documentation. And once we get both, then we just set up an appointment. Um, and we're flexible about how we do appointments. We have you know, been more flexible about whether it's virtual or phone or in-person. Um, so we do various ways of meeting. Kevin States, Director of the Disability and Access Center, thanks for joining us and telling us about these services. Thank you for having us. And we'll be right back. The Charlie and Hazel Daniels Veterans and Military Family Center located at Middle Tennessee State University is the largest and most comprehensive on an academic campus in the nation. We lost our patriot Charlie on 6 July 2020. The creation of the General's Fund was his last public event in support of our military. So many men and women that have served, that expected to be able to have their tuition or certain assistance being given to them, that money evaporated. With the establishment of the General Fund is to make sure that all those men and women can get through MTSU and pursue what they thought they could do when they came on back. We're extremely proud that the Predators have identified the need to help make this fund one of the best at our university for our veterans. It's very important just for me personally that they offered this fund and I feel like there are a lot of students on campus like me whose benefits run out and they aren't aware of that. To be the first recipient of the General's Fund is truly an honor. I'm the person that if I'm a, the spokesperson or the face of something, I want to do it to my best ability and just to help share this experience with other students just like me who are military dependents on MTSU's campus that can receive help from the Daniels Center because everything here and in, in, in this center is just here to help us. What the General's Fund means to me, it's a help when I'm falling. So if I'm struggling or anything, I know I can come to the Daniels Center and they have me, they have a help for me, they have a way to figure things out. Join us, contribute to the continuation of Charlie's legendary support of our military. Do you want more out of your college experience? At Middle Tennessee State University, that's exactly what you get. More majors, more opportunities, more guaranteed scholarships, up to $20,000 over four years. MTSU, Tennessee's University of Opportunities. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. I'm Andrew Ottman. An MTSU Assistant Professor of Biology recently received national recognition for her research that suggests a difference in culture and beliefs between science instructors and students may lead to low acceptance by minority students of evolution. Dr. Elizabeth Barnes, who joined our faculty in 2020, joins us to discuss her findings. Dr. Barnes, thanks for joining us on the program. I'm excited to be here. Let's start with the news first. Late last year, you, you received a national award. Can you tell everybody what it was and what it was for? 
Yeah, absolutely. I was really excited. It was from the National Association of Biology Teachers. Mm -hmm. So this is a, an organization that's been around for decades that supports um, teachers and their teaching of biology. Um, and they give an annual award out every year for somebody who has contributed greatly to um, the teaching and learning of evolution and advanced the teaching and learning of evolution. And I was really excited uh, to be awarded that this year. I had the same researchers that were giving me the award were the researchers that I was reading their work when I first started doing this. So. Oh, how, how wonderful that must have felt. Yeah, so it was it was a really great moment. Wow, okay, so this is the entree into let's talk about the research itself. Talk mm -hmm. about this interesting topic that you've explored quite extensively and what you've learned. Yeah, absolutely. So for the last like eight years, I've been studying how to teach evolution um, in undergraduate classrooms, specifically thinking about how students' religious identity might influence their learning of evolution. And um, we specifically, me and my collaborators, came up with a new framework for teaching evolution called religious cultural competence and evolution education. Um, really recognizing that oftentimes when instructors are teaching evolution at the college level, they're teaching students with religious identities that the instructor themselves are not as familiar with or do not share. Mm -hmm. um, so for instance, 75% of the American public identifies as Christian about, but when you look at biologists you know, who are teaching evolution at the college level, only about 25% of them identify with a religion at all. Um, so, but religion is one of the main factors that's going to influence whether or not students are receptive to learning evolution. And so we've developed this framework to help secular instructors be more effective and culturally competent mm -hmm. at teaching religious students mm -hmm. about evolution. That was a pretty huge aha moment mm -hmm. that you had in that. I mean, I don't suppose many have considered how that fundamental misunderstanding of the cultural awareness of the student and where they're coming from impeded their ability to really absorb or even connect with the professor that's teaching that. How did you get familiar with this? How did this emerge? Yeah, so I myself as an undergraduate biology student was very excited about science and very excited about biology and I thought evolution was just one of the coolest things I had ever learned in my entire life. This, this idea that all of life on earth comes from one common origin that started billions of years ago um, was just an amazing idea to me. But then I also found out that about half the American public doesn't think that that's a real thing. Um, and I was fascinated uh, by that. At the same time, I myself did not have a religious background at all. And so I had a hard time understanding the rejection of evolution. So. Um, when I went into classrooms where evolution was being taught, I was often taught by instructors who shared my um, background, which was not um, a religious background. Uh, and they and I found that they often made comments that c could be interpretive as being negative about religion, or they would assume that evolution and religion have to be in conflict with one another, right? And they would present it in that way to students, not realizing that about three quarters of their class actually identified as religious themselves. And so I one time I went into a classroom and an instructor had presented religion or religion and evolution in a way that seemed conflictual and afterwards I heard one of my peers say you know I don't think I can come back to this class and it was really one of those moments where I had that aha moment of the the religious background of the instructor is really influencing the way they're teaching and the way the students are receiving that. So yeah, that's how I, I kind of came to that moment of we really need to take into account the cultural differences between scientists who are communicating and the people that they're trying to communicate effectively to. 
So I suppose the recognition you received of this wonderful award will go a long way to answering the question I'm about to pose, but how do you connect your findings and your recommendations to professors who may not know that they're in need of those recommendations? Um, yeah, so we've done a lot of research mm -hmm. to try to reach this community, right? Mm -hmm. And we've tried to publish in journals that biology instructors read so that they can see the results of these studies. So for instance, um, one study that we published recently that seemed to really strike, strike a chord with the biology community was to document that 50% of our introductory biology students think that they have to be atheists in order to accept evolution or to think evolution is true, which is a fundamental misunderstanding of the nature of science actually because all of science including evolution is um, agnostic it doesn't explore questions about the existence of God or anything outside the natural world so to identify to instructors that 50% of their students had this basic misconception about the nature of science um, I think that 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 helped it's become the number one read article in in um, the journal of my in my field that I published in, and I think it's because it's something that instructors didn't really know was happening with their students, mm -hmm. right? And now we're making it visible with this research, so they can start to see the need for maybe addressing, you know, explicitly that evolution does not say whether or not there is a god or not. Um, that that is not a scientific question that we answer as scientists. So whether you believe in God, that's you know that's fine with evolution, or whether you don't, that's also fine. Um, and so it's helped to to highlight that need. To wow. instructors. Number one. That's that, that's amazing. That's congratulations on that. If you were mentoring a new faculty member or a, a junior faculty member who's trying to explore, well, what's the, the number one thing I need to keep in mind when I'm approaching this topic? I realize it's more complicated than I'm making you draw it down to, but what what's the, the a short piece of advice you would give someone who's concerned about this? Yeah, I would say that, that there are some very simple things that instructors can do that can actually make a really big difference. So first, actually providing examples to students of religious scientists who accept evolution. Our research is showing that that can make a big difference for how students feel about the compatibility between science and religion. For instance, Dr. Francis Collins is the director of the National Institute of Health, and he also was the director of the Human Genome Project and has done a lot of evolution education research work, so a very important um, community member in the science community, but he also identifies as an evangelical Christian, right? And so showing examples of breaking the stereotype of a scientist having to be an atheist who accepts evolution, um, uh, Francis Collins helps show that it's possible to do both, right? To be a scientist, identify as a Christian, and also accept evolution. So that's one thing that instructors can do, is, is to just provide examples um, of these individuals that exist in the scientific community. Before you go, I have to ask you your STEM story. Mm -hmm. How did you get engaged into science? What sparked your interest into this field? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I entered my academic career, my higher education academic career as a community college student with no high school diploma or GED. So I actually um, left high school when I was 16 years old and I started community, community college when I was 19 without that high school diploma. And for me, I was a first generation student. So none of my family had graduated college before me 
at that point. Um, and the way that I knew to rise above that socioeconomic status kind of was to become a doctor. <laughs> and so I was pre-med and I wanted to become a doctor, but you take biology classes to become a doctor. Yes. And when I took those biology classes, I realized that, that it was science that I loved and biology that I loved and particularly evolutionary biology. And so that sparked in me my passion for pursuing this, um, this field. At the same time, I was also really interested in social psychology. And social psychology um, really has helped informed all the things that I've done in evolution education. So yeah, that's how I got started in science. Dr. Barnes, what a great story. Thank you so much for coming on the program and sharing it with our viewers. Yeah, thanks for having me here. I really did enjoyed it. We'll be right back. Do you want more out of your college experience? At Middle Tennessee State University, that's exactly what you get. More majors, more opportunities, more guaranteed scholarships, up to $20,000 over four years. MTSU, Tennessee's University of Opportunities. I am True Blue. As a member of this diverse community, I am a valuable contributor to its progress and success. I'm engaged in the life of this community. I'm a recipient and a giver. I am a listener and a speaker. I am honest in word and deed. I am committed to reason, not violence. I am a learner. Now and forever. I am a Blue Raider. I am a Blue Raider. I'm a Blue Raider. True Blue. Nothing is more expensive than a missed opportunity that could have changed your life. Maybe you're just graduating high school or are working and need to earn a degree to advance your career or you aspire to be a leader, and a graduate degree can make that happen. Whether you're just starting out or retooling for the future, Middle Tennessee State University can help you get there. MTSU, the University of Opportunities. I am True Blue. As a member of this diverse community, I am a valuable contributor to its progress and success. I'm engaged in the life of this community. I'm a recipient and a giver. I am a listener and a speaker. I am honest in word and deed. I am committed to reason, not violence. I am a learner. Now and forever. I am a Blue Raider. I am a Blue Raider. I'm a Blue Raider. True Blue. The Charlie and Hazel Daniels Veterans and Military Family Center located at Middle Tennessee State University is the largest and most comprehensive on an academic campus in the nation. We lost our patriot Charlie on 6 July 2020. The creation of the General's Fund was his last public event in support of our military. So many men and women that have served, that expected to be able to have their tuition or certain assistance being given to them, that money evaporated. With the establishment of the general fund is to make sure that all those men and women can get through MTSU and pursue what they thought they could do when they came on back. We're extremely proud that the predators have identified the need to help make this fund one of the best at our university for our veterans. It's very important just for me personally that they offered this fund and I feel like there are a lot of students on campus like me whose benefits run out and they aren't aware of that. To be the first recipient of the General's Fund is truly an honor. I'm the person that if I'm a, the spokesperson or the face of something, I want to do it to my best ability and just to help share this experience with other students just like me who are military dependents on MTSU's campus 
they can receive help from the Daniel Center because everything here and in, in, in this center is just here to help us. What the Generals Fund means to me, it's a help when I'm falling. So if I'm struggling or anything, I know I can come to the Daniel Center and they have me, they have a help for me, they have a way to figure things out. Join us, contribute to the continuation of Charlie's legendary support of our military. Welcome back to Out of the Blue, I'm Andrew Ottman. We conclude this episode with the first of what we hope will be many feature contributions by students from our School of Journalism and Strategic Media. They are working for Middle Tennessee News, a relatively new student venture coordinated by Professors Daniel and Christine Eschenfelter. Middle Tennessee News provides students with valuable learning experiences, both in front and behind the camera, in live television production, news and feature reporting, and sports broadcasts. Middle Tennessee News last year scored a top 10 win in the National Hearst Journalism Awards program, as well as a National Tele Award for the November 2020 TV news special, 100 Years of Broadcasting, which tells the story of a century's worth of broadcasting in America. True Blue TV, the home channel to this program, will feature reports from Middle Tennessee News throughout the coming year. But starting with this show, we feature a reporter whose work is very familiar to me, my daughter Sarah Ottman, with her story on a marketing professor in the Jones College of Business who's become a viral sensation on TikTok. TikTok, a social media video app, has taken the world by storm since launching in 2016. With over 1 billion users, TikTok has become one of the most popular apps worldwide. When the app was first launched, it was targeted for a younger audience. The majority of users were preteens to young adults. However, as time went on and popularity grew, TikTok spread to the older generations. What many may not know is that Middle Tennessee State University is home to one very popular TikTok creator. Actually, it started as a joke. Uh, I told my daughter, uh, Simran, that uh, I need to, I want to make a TikTok which is just welcoming my students. Dr. Raj is a marketing professor at MTSU who has a viral TikTok account filled with hilarious videos about his life as a professor, but he never expected to go viral. And he says, the video that we just made is going viral. And I said, what? Why is anybody interested in me welcoming my um, social media class at MTSU and I don't know, it just, so we, I, we logged into her, we looked into her account and it was about 10,000 that time in two hours and we were wondering what is going on uh, uh, and we went to bed and morning we got up and it was like 40,000. Today, Dr. Raj has over 150,000 followers and 3.7 million likes. He now makes videos every day. What, what I'm trying to do is to create a brand. I mean, I'm a marketing professor. I should know my marketing, right? Uh, and that was right from the beginning. I never posted a single video which is not aiming towards my brand. My brand is a professor who posts TikTok about a relatable environment at a college slash uh, high school slash education. 
Dr. Raj has not only gained a following by making people laugh, but has gotten students and adults alike excited about marketing. So many people uh, uh, commenting that, ah, uh, I remember this my college days. I know I remember I did this when I was in college. Or uh, and the one that really boosts my ego, saying that ah, I wish you were my professor, or, or I wish I was at MTSU when you now when you're teaching rather than seven years ago when he graduated. Sarah Upman, Middle Tennessee News. Thank you, Sarah Upman, and thank you, Middle Tennessee News, for that report. That does wrap up this edition of Out of the Blue. A reminder, you can find news about the campus 24 hours a day by going to our website, mtsunews.com. You can also find special features about the university on our social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm Andrew Ottman. Stay safe, stay on course, and remain true blue. Out of the Blue is broadcast on Murfreesboro Cable Channel 9, Monday through Sunday at 11 a.m. and 1.30 p.m. on News Channel 5 Plus and on MTSU student station MT10. It's also available on other cable outlets in Middle Tennessee, so check your local listings. Out of the Blue is a production of MTSU's Division of Marketing and Communications and MTSU Audiovisual Services in the College of Education. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.